Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home. Your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host, La Urena. And today we are doing the Hocus Pocus 2 spoiler cast. So if you have not watched that, I suggest that you go ahead and do that or not, depending upon the review. And, uh, you know, check it out before we go into any details that might ruin that movie for you. Oh, yeah. I'll have to put that in the title, spoiler cast, (laughs) because... That's the last thing we need is people catching us for the first time and being pissed that we gave away all the juicy details. Yeah, so to reiterate, there are spoilers in this, and we are going into full details, so uh, just buckle up for that. Um, any initial thoughts that you want to give out before we go into the main discussion for this movie, Urena? Uh Yes, I do want to address something big that I think is important to anybody watching this is that... Um, I have not heard the best reviews on this, um, and I don't know. I'm going to save our reviews for later. I'm not going to give away anything, but I will say this. Um, Politically, a lot of stuff, specifically about the actors in the film, uh, seems to have, it seems to be the thing nowadays where you you judge a film immediately. And um, I'm going to go right off the bat and say I don't think it's near as bad bad as people are making it out to be in terms of anything political coming through. Um, I think that it, I personally feel like it was not much different than what you would see in the 1990s when the original Hocus Pocus came out in terms of fairness and things like that. That's just me personally. And I know you and I will probably discuss that. And if we felt anything differently about that, I just really don't think that it was, I, I heard a lot of woke stuff and I was able to get past that. So that's me. What about yourself? <laughs> well, I, I did see it. Um, oh, it's there, yeah. I did see it. I mean, it's there. It's not the worst I've ever seen. It didn't take me. I, and I, but I did have to t- tune it out after, uh, like, a, you know, even after the in the intro. Like, they're trying to set up something in that. And, like, I, I just kind of rolled my eyes. And I'm like, okay, I know what they're going to do in this movie. So I'm just going to try to you know, enjoy <laughs> it on its own merit and just move on. And I still kept seeing it. Now, I know I've been, some of my coworkers have discussed with me that they've seen it even worse than I have. And, and, and it's there if you want to look for it. But, yeah. I mean, I'm, I tried to come at it from a point of view of, you know, trying to ignore that and just the movie itself. So Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's funny. That, that was one of my favorite parts. And when we get into the discussion, I'll talk about why it was one of my favorite parts. Um, but 
Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because that specifically, I mean, it's right there, right in the beginning. Just bam, in your yeah. face. And I'll tell you how I felt about it when we go into the discussion. So let's get into like the basics, like, you know, written by, directed by, et cetera. Okay. Directed by Ann Fletcher, uh, written by Jen D'Angelo, who did the screenplay and based upon uh, characters uh, created by David Kirshner, which is the 1993 film. Uh, music by John Debney, um, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, principal players, I'm not going to go into like any of the <laughs> movies they've been in, but we got Bette Midler uh, uh, playing Winifred Sand- Sanderson again. Um, and, of course, I-, I listed her as HBIC because she is the head witch of the of the coven. I was so. going to say, shouldn't she be the HWIC? Uh, quick. Yeah, there you go, HWIC. <laughs> head witch in charge. <laughs> Uh, Kathy Najimi, uh, who plays, uh, Mary Sanderson, and she's kind of the goofy one that's always got the munchies for, you know, uh, unfortunately trying to devour little children. Yes. Same Mary, uh, Sarah, same. Sarah Jessica Parker playing, uh, Sarah Sanderson, and she's the hoe of the group. Um, <laughs> She was, uh, I say this in all due respect, she was formerly the hot one. Still, I guess, is considering the other two, but (laughs) age. And um, (laughs) some would say that she's the stand-in for Seabiscuit and Black Beauty in their respective films, but. Oh. (laughs) Look, I want to say this real quick, because you just brought, you've already, we've talked about the three witches. I want to say, in my own opinion, that I think that Mary, which is Kathy Najimi, if, if that's how you pronounce her last name, yeah, she aged the best so far. She did, and she's also lost weight, which, I mean, did age her a little bit, but it, she looks healthier and, and, and happier than she did, you know, yes. previously, so good on her. Yeah, Sarah being the youngest sister, you kind of expected more, and Bette Midler, you can't, she was already old in the first film, so... You know, that that was not going to be a competition. Yeah, and and the thing about Sarah Jessica Parker, throwing it out there, if we're going to go start talking right in on the, you know, the looks of the characters as they've aged and all that, they had too much makeup on her. I don't know if that was to attempt to make her look younger, but it made her look creepier somehow. Like, if you look at her, she, like, I'm I'm just saying what my wife said whenever she watched this. She said she looks like a guy in drag, and and I'm that's not too far removed, and you know, just because of the makeup on her. There were guys in drag in this film, and they looked more like women than some of the women that's, in the film. That's, that's true. That's true. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, Whitney Peak is playing Becca. Uh, she's a true witch by blood, spoiler, and uh, the head of the new coven that they're setting up. Um. We have Belisa Escobedo. Belisa Escobedo. Uh, e, who's kind of an oddball and a goof. And uh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, Becca's best friend. Uh, we have uh, Lilia Buckingham playing Cassie, who is the the mayor's daughter, uh, kind of the popular girl in the roundabout sense, or at least she sold her friends out to be that way. And, uh, an antagonist to Becca because of the falling out, falling out that they had, and she's technically the third coven member when uh, everything's said and done. Of the new, a new coven. Yes. Um, we have Sam, uh, Sam Richardson playing Gilbert, <clears throat> who is obsessed with the Sanderson sisters after seeing them in 1993. 
he sets up the return, but ultimately has a change of heart throughout the film. And uh, we uh, we discussed a movie he was in recently that we both really liked, and that was uh, the, the Werewolves Within. I believe yes, the name of it. I knew so, I recognized him from that. Yeah. Uh, we have Tony Hale uh, playing the mayor and also his ancestor, Reverend Trask. And um, he's uh, kind of the one who, pers- his ancestor persecuted the Sanderson sisters originally, as we discover in the beginning of the film. And because of that, the new mayor, or in, in current times, is kind of the target of the wrath. Uh, again, he's Cassie's dad, and then, or, uh, and then he's, uh, he, he, and he just wants a fucking caramel apple, folks. That's that's all he wants. Like, yes. just let him have one. Just give the man uh, a caramel apple. He brought somebody all the way from Seattle to give away apples at his event. And then he still kind of got fucked over on him. So, <laughs> the Tony Hale, just to throw it out there for people that didn't know, Arrested Development. He was the guy who was in the original Mr. Roboto car commercials that used to be on back in the day. He was the guy that was, that's how he got his fame, was doing that car commercial. And then he went on Arrested Development, and he was on Veep, which is uh, trivia. He's Several characters in this movie were on Veep, so maybe that's how he got involved in this process. But that's, that's kind of where he's from. He looks familiar. I just can't. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Like, where is he from? He's, I'm trying to, he's been in some other stuff besides that. But, oh, he I mean, was also in are, Sex in the City with Sarah uh, herself. Well, there you go. He's kind of got an in a couple of different ways that uh, there. Uh, we have the uh, luminous Doug Jones playing Billy Butcherson. Um, Doug Jones, if you didn't know, is known for about every creature effect known to man, especially if Guillermo del Toro had anything to do with it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was Abe Sapien. He was the uh, Gill Man monster that that liked to fuck women or human women in the uh, the shape of water, and uh, been in tons of things. Um, You're talking about Doug, uh, right? What's that? You're talking about Doug Jones. Uh, yes. And he's isn't he like seven foot or something like that? He's very tall and very skinny, and that's the reason he gets cast in these weird... Like, he also played the uh, creepy creature in uh, Pan's Labyrinth that has, like, the the eyes in its hands or whatever. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, he just anytime you need somebody to kind of fit, because he's... And I think he's worked for Mike Flanagan in a couple of films doing, like, weird creatures. It's just he's got this this body that that, that can kind of just get into whatever suit they need him to, and he's real good at acting with, you know, within those parameters, like, you know, with his body language more than, you know, his actual acting ability. Oh, he was in John Dies at the end. Well, I mean, he was, a monster. Me, he was in everything. I don't know why I'm throwing that. And actually, he's, I'm not going to say he's only six foot four because that is like, I don't know what, three feet taller than me. But <laughs> I really thought for some reason I saw that he was like almost seven foot somewhere. So I don't know. Anyways, I was mistaken. But yes, he is, right. he is tall for, he's taller for Hollywood, though. Most of the actors in Hollywood are not above six feet. So he stands above most of them. Okay. Um, of course, Billy is from the first film, uh, has, um, he goes all the way back to the Salem days. Uh, and, uh, even though he, uh, in this movie, they kind of throw out there that he was never officially given his rest after the first film, yeah. which I feel like is a little bit of a, a retcon, but at the same time it worked because technically he wasn't, um, and, uh, he's just tired of being labeled as Winifred's lover. I mean, come was, on. Like, it was never he, a he, thing. 
He 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 never slept in that hole. Don't don't get don't get don't get it crossed here. Don't get things twisted. Yeah, people, quit um, trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Uh, he does help Gilbert in the movie realize the error of his ways and kind of, you know, turns him around in the film to being, a, a you know, one of the good guys, as it were. Um, and then we, uh, and just, there's a few more people, but just to round it out, we have Froy Gutierrez playing Mike, who is one of the dumbest individuals outside of uh, a char- any character played by uh, Chris Hemsworth in a film. Um, he, he plays, well, it's true. He plays Cassie's boyfriend. He's completely an idiot. Uh, very superstitious. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out there. He's a bit of a woke insert. He's like one of the, he's one of the white guys in the film that are just like, just ridiculous. Like, I mean, you know, white guy, he's Mexican. uh, I know, but they cast him. I mean, he is like the stereotypical white guy. That's what he's, I mean, which is, which is even worse because they're using, uh, a quote unquote person of color as a woke insert for like, you know, stupid white man or whatever, in my opinion. You know but, what? Actually, you know. I, I, I shouldn't say he's Mexican because I don't know. He just has uh, a Hispanic last name. He does, yeah. But I love in the movie how he was referred to as the village idiot. I just, <laughs> I is. loved it. Um, oh, he is Mexican. So, Woo, I was right. He's Mexican. <laughs> Yes, but I mean, like I said, they're using it, you yeah. know, in a, in in a worse way. But anyways, so synopsis: after getting a bit of an origin story for the Sanderson sisters and how they came in possession of the book, we uh, follow the drama of a diverse and new coven of witches as they prepare to celebrate Samhain. Uh, but tricked into lighting a newly made black flame candle, these aspiring witches try to find ways to ward off the Sandersons and ultimately send them back to hell. Uh, jokes about skincare products and Roombas <laughs> are thrown about. Uh, Billy Butcherson gets the opportunity to actually speak up for himself, which I actually enjoyed that aspect yes. of it. Um, the Sandersons lose a costume contest that is themed around them, and the stock in Morton's sock goes through the friggin' roof. As well as Walgreens. <laughs> True, yeah. They're featured very prominently in this film. Very prominently. <laughs> So let's just get to the discussion. I mean, let's just tackle this one from the beginning. I'm with you. I like the beginning of this movie to a degree, but they may, I mean, if they wanted a Reverend Trask to be, you know, like this big foreboding figure, you know, whenever they introduced the concept that a spider, you know, <laughs> sent him like, you know, freaking out like a little girl, I was like, okay, I know where this movie's going now. Like it's, you know, they couldn't even give like, I mean, it, if you're going to have, I mean, if you want to go the route of having the, the woke narrative that white guys are ridiculous and all that, at least make the one white guy semi of a threat, you know, yeah. to the Sanderson's. I mean, like, you know, he, they just erased all of that with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they um, made him even, obviously his ancestor was the opposite of him, but not really. It's like, I don't know, because obviously the mayor was intended to be just a better person, wanted good things, wanted to bring people together, and just wanted to be people to be happy, because he was a nice dude. He was a nice dude, but he was still stupid as hell. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, a good comparison to this would be uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, which <laughs> I absolutely love that film. I know you do. You, you take, uh, you know, it's the same concept. Uh, Reverend Worrell, you know, back in the day, uh, was this big foreboding, like authoritative figure, and you know, like, and then like uh, his and the the troll cursed his ancestors, which became the idiot that is, you know, Ernest. 
um, at least make the ancestor, you know, the original, you know, like smart, like, you know, devious or, you know, like just, you know, one of those people and then make that, you know, the descendant into the kind of the, the, you know, whatever the wimp and all of that, that, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that, that got me off to a bad start, but I, I, I want to throw out there the, the, the young female actors they got to play the Sandersons, oh my god! Especially the one they got to play Winifred, knocked it out of the friggin' park. Oh my like god, they, they were, were amazing. They looked, I mean, not so much looked like them. They they acted like them, and not in a cheesy, yep. tried too hard kind of way. Like they, you like you said, they knocked it out of the park. Um, in the opening scenes, what I wanted to point out that was upsetting some people was the fact that girls. In those days, girls, young women, whatever, did not talk to men the way that they did. And that is very true. They weren't supposed to. And you were supposed to have a male escort everywhere. Everything was done through men. But the problem I have with people getting upset about that is that doesn't mean that women didn't try. And those women were labeled as witches and excluded from communities and banished, just like these girls were. So that's what I loved about the story is they took an actual situation where, yes, it's kind of woke in the sense where you have these women in a time where women didn't do things like that, acting out of character. But it made, I thought it was the perfect setup for making them actual witches. I, I mean, I'll agree with you. I don't get the, the woke argument on the other side of it saying that they were too empowered because that was the, that's kind of the, the concept. Any woman who was empowered or you know tried to stand up for herself was usually labeled as an outcast of some sort and kicked to the woods where ultimately it was assumed that she would die you know unless she was tough enough to kind of stand on her own you know it was one of those things the one thing i didn't like about the intro and i don't know if other people have brought this up and if you've heard it i do not like how they changed the origin of how they got the book or at least they added that origin yeah. because I felt like it took something of the sinister side of the Sandersons away from them by having them just inherit a book from some other witch who came from the old country, you know, like I didn't like that. Yeah. I, I personally would have liked it better. And granted, again, this is just me. That doesn't mean that this is how it should be or that it would have made it a better movie. I would have liked it if they made that book because the origin of how the book came about in general with it being from the skin of a hangman, Yes, um, I, I, want, I wanted to see them make the book as well. Yes. I'm right there with you 100%. That would have been too dark for Disney, though. And you have to admit <sighs> that this movie is just as light and fluffy as the original movie was. There was really not a lot of darkness to the first film. And the, they kept that, that, that you know. Really? I mean, I don't know. I, I would argue that they, they stepped it back a, a little bit. I mean, I'll Maybe, agree with yeah. you that the first film wasn't as dark as, you know, like you know a ton of other things. But they did show them stealing the souls from these children. Yes. And they actually kill a girl doing that in the original. And, and they show they her corpse. <laughs> yeah. And they don't give, like, any kind of hint that the Sandersons themselves are, like, any way shape or form like decent individuals like they are straight up the evil witches that you know that you know and that a lot of puritan lore has yeah so i feel like they this movie and that's one of my biggest gripes when we go to discussing this i feel like it softened the sandersons to the point where i mean yes it gave them you know maybe uh you know it was it uh, eased up the appeal for like you know people who might have a problem with that 
but they already had the good witches that they were contrasting against the Sandersons. Why not keep the Sandersons just as evil and, you know, like despicable and just kind of say, you know, that's just how, that's the way they chose to use their powers. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah, and that is a big spoiler for this, is that, yes, they do soften the Sanderson sisters a lot. It, it's throughout the whole film, or film trans- transgressing, but, you know, uh, it, it happens, so. Yeah. Um, so, I'm gonna be honest with you, once we get past this, I mean, past that, and whenever it brings up, like, the some of the stuff with the, the new coven, I kind of tuned out a lot of their stuff, especially the beginning of it, whenever they were having, you know, the, the two girls were having the outs, you know, Becca and Cassie mm-hmm. and, you know, the, and the one had to go to the principal. Like I, I was checking my phone constantly because <laughs> unlike the original film, uh, I never felt, and I mean, I, granted, I'm going to give this out there. Nostalgia is, is something you cannot like factor out of stuff. And, you know, maybe I was more invested in, you know, uh, Max and, you know, like his sister and, and you know, and, and the girl that he was in love with. But I didn't feel like these, the, the, there was any charm to the new group. Like they were just like, they, they, they just kind of felt like they were, were there more than anything. Like I didn't feel any connection to any of them. No, and I didn't feel any connection. Even when they kind of made up, I didn't feel like they were connected either oh no um not like i mean even i don't know even with the sanderson sisters it was like bet midler did play or i should say winifred did play her part of i'm the main one i'm the powerful one in both films she was the main one and they were the side witches you know um yeah so but in this one yeah there's a main and there's two side witches but i don't know it's it just didn't feel it was nice, but it didn't, I don't know, it didn't feel real, you know? Didn't they remove Cassie from, like, three-fourths of the film anyways? Like, if I remember right, like, you, if you see her, it's, like, in passing. It's it, basically just Becca and, uh, you know, Izzy are the only two that you really see for most of the movie. Exactly, yeah. And Cassie, it's like, you know that there's a rift, and obviously it shows them trying to get in touch with each other a lot, or you could see that there's they're making an effort but things are just getting lost in some weird transition, you know, uh, or translation, excuse me, is what I meant to say. Uh, it's, I don't know. I didn't I didn't look into it too seriously. Um, you know what I didn't get from this film is, again, we don't want to compare too much um, from the old film, but there was a sense of adventure the entire film for the first one. And in this one, it didn't feel like there was a sense of adventure. It felt like a sense for necessity, like, oh, we need to do this to do this. We need to do this to do this. But there was no excitement behind it so much, you know? They were literally doing the the cardinal sin of of a sequel in the sense of they had to hit the same beats at the same point in times of the movie, right down to the fact that they have a scene where the the general public's gathered for like some kind of, uh, you know, uh, public event dance, you know, costume thing, whatever. And then the Sanderson sing a song. That's a pop song that they shouldn't know. And then everybody starts dancing to their deaths, you know, listening (laughs) to it. I mean, it's like, you know, rope for rope. They, they just followed the first film. Oh my um, goodness. And you know, okay, Reverend, you know that I am not, I don't like musicals. Like I don't even like the, I don't even like a lot of the songs in Nightmare Before Christmas and I love that movie, you know, so. And that's ridiculous, but anyway. I know. Yeah, look at, I'm not saying it's not. I will watch it. I still love the film. I love the music. It's the singing that, I don't know. I, I have problems, okay? 
Um, I did like the music in the first film. I didn't so much in this one. I didn't hate it. I just, I did prefer it. Did they really have to pop out as brand, uh, witches again with a fucking song right out of the dirt? I, I'm glad you brought that up. We're back. Uh, witches are back the witches or whatever back. The, the name of the song is. When they started doing that right off the bat, I'm like, I, I started rolling my eyes. I was like, that was not how the original movie was. Like you, the original movie, if I, if I remember, and I mean, I watch this every year, so I can't, uh, you know, unless the Mandela effect is, you know, <laughs> frying my brain. It's like you only hear uh, Sarah Jessica Parker saying, come little children, you know, to kind of lure the children in. And then you hear uh, Winifred saying, put, I'll put a spell on you. And I don't, and that's about it. I don't remember any other, like, you know, big musical numbers that they did. And this one, they, as soon as they're summoned back from, you know, the black flame candle, they, they start, it's a song and dance routine. And it's even kind of goofy on top of that because it's they're kind of acting like they don't see, you know, Izzy and Becca until yeah. the two of them are like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. And they're like, nope, we saw you. Yeah. And it's like, who are you performing okay. for? Well, we're performing for you. Like, really? <laughs> I don't know that you are. I think you were just like performing and then you're like, oh, wait, people are watching us. Cool. Let's go get them, you know? Yeah, I, I thought that was cheesy. I, I really did not like the them inserting or coming back as in a musical form. And since we're on the music side of it, that Blondie song, one way or another, oh. did not uh, did not fit anywhere near as good as I put a spell on you because, Mm-mm. like, I can forgive. I mean, yes, it's weird that that you know that you know Winifred knows these you know pop songs from like you know our time but I put a spell on you at least makes sense you know to some degree it's like you know that you could hear a witch saying I put a spell on you whereas this one's like one way or another I'm going to get you it's like oh come on like really yeah that one definitely needs some forgiving like you they need to ask for forgiveness on that one they did they said you know let's do this and we'll apologize later uh so it is what it is that's a part of the film um. Yeah, and I, and I was reading a critique of that, but from someone else, and they said that that Disney used that in another film recently for another one of their villains. You know that one, one way or another song. Uh, they might have. I can't remember which one they said it was, but they said it's been used. So it's not. It's like Disney is copying themselves at this point on on stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about because it's in here. Visuals because I'm fifty fifty. Some of them fucking suck donkey balls. Sorry, this is not a children's podcast. <laughs> no, and, and and even though the movie is... See, that's one thing I, I don't I didn't like about the movie, so, or this movie as well as the first one. I felt like the, the original movie, you could watch it, because I'm pretty sure, like, 1993, I would have been 12 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you can watch that as a, a preteen and still enjoy it. Uh, versus this one, I feel like they moved the age range down of who they're trying to target to like eight year olds or something. Well, you gotta, I, you know what, I agree with you on that, but I will tell you this: kids are a lot more mature nowadays, and I don't mean that in a weird, uh, oh, you're mature for your age kind of thing. It's just that kids are exposed to so much more now, um, and with you know the devices and everything. Well, that's true. They're, they're aging. That's a little true. Faster. The internet, they you know they get exposed to stuff they shouldn't see. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and me, not a good parent, letting my kids watch horror since they were six years old and five years old. You know, I mean, not 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 necessarily the best. I made my decisions. Okay, great, that's fine. But yeah, my kids, uh, they they are going to watch this. They do want to watch it. They do like the old film. 
Um, I think they're going to watch it for what they know it is, though. This is not going to be something scary. This is this is just for Halloween fun. And I know that the boy for sure will like it. I have yet to see what my daughter says about it because she's hit or miss. I mean, she really loves horror, but she will enjoy a Disney film. Like, she watched Halloween Town recently and liked it. So that's that's but, not typical. Yeah. But, I mean, do you not feel like, I mean, this movie kind of, like, moved back, like, who they were targeting as oh, far as, like, absolutely. you know? absolutely. I feel like they had to, kind of. Um, it's going well, in part because I think they're setting up another movie for sure. But oh, we'll God. Are they... Whenever we talk about it. Okay. Well, that being said, discussing the visuals, some of the visuals were as bad as they were in 1993, but 1993 had an excuse. It was 1993. Well, and also 1993, I felt like did better with the prosthetic effects than this one did. Like, I mean, I didn't get the creepiness out of Doug Jones' character. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't look as rotted to me. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the film grain or, you know, the graininess of the 90s not like being there. And it's more, you know, like smooth now because of the digital effects. But he looked a little too fresh. Yeah, he looked like he was using some of those youth lotions that they were eating, you know? Yeah, yeah, the retinol cream or whatever that they were gulping down. The face of, uh, you know, baby children and stuff like that. But some of the the visuals I did like. So I will give an example. This is a a spoiler. At the end when the sisters, we'll say they had a demise, but we'll discuss what that ended up being. I really did like how they were kind of glittering in space. I thought it looked good. It looked like a twinkling of lights behind, you know, Winifred. And and it's funny, too, because they show from Gilbert's perspective what they looked like in the final scene from the first movie because he was there retroactively uh, watching as they disappeared into glitter bombs, basically. And it's interesting seeing the – so I agree with you. That was better than the original movie, although, like, that's one of those things in the 90s you kind of had to forgive. Yes. Um, Oh, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, so there were some things that looked good. The flying was just as cheesy and glitchy – not glitchy-looking, but – botched looking as it was in the 90s nothing changed from that um i don't know is there anything that you could point out in terms of the visuals no it's a it's a weird thing because i feel like they they looked better in ways but like again they it's missing some of the charm and i'm gonna totally ratchet that up the nostalgia but it's like one of those things when you go back and watch the original film if you're from that time age when you watch, you know, like when it first came out and like, you know, the age whenever you would have watched as a kid, like you go back and like the, the janky visuals, especially of the cat, like whenever he's trying to talk and all that stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's it it's it's kind of charming in, in how cheesy it looks, whereas this one's more polished, but it's kind of got that corporate soulness to it, you know, yeah. or soullessness, I should say, you know, to it. So, it's just kind of missing some, just like the acting of the main leads. It's just kind of, there's, there's no, no heart there, I, you know, somehow, even though it looks better, you know. Yeah. Um, fun fact, uh, Salem was the cat that played uh, the original cat in <laughs> the first Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I'm sad that they didn't ask him back for the second film. He was pretty upset about it, too. Yeah, yeah. He's But he went on to just uh, murder a bunch of people, so he's fine. Yeah, he's Salem's fine. doing good, so. Um, yeah. <sighs> I want to throw something out there too. Uh, I got so sick of the easy out of the Morton salt. Oh my God. That, that they did in this. <laughs> um, 
you know, going <laughs> back to what you said about the adventure of the first film, it was like the kids were always like trying to find it, you know, it was an arms race with the witches because every time they figured something out that might work against them, the witches counteracted it. Yes. Every single time these girls threw a ring of salt out, it's like, oh, we can't do anything. I'm like, that was bullshit. Yeah. You know, like the, you know, that was creatively, that was pretty bad. It was. Uh, um, I have to say, my favorite part, and probably two of my favorite characters in this whole film. Um, so when they had the ring of salt and the two Roombas came and cleaned it. Yeah, yeah. I loved those uh, Roombas. Those Roombas were hilarious. Yeah, I was. I was sitting there and I saw that, and I'm like, okay, I know what they're here. That they they waited. They used this whole movie as a way to for you know like the Roomba joke just to pay oh, off yeah. in that one scene. Look at guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, again, spoiler: the witches they get some brooms from Walgreens. One gets an actual what Halloween prop broom. Yes. I don't know uh, what the second one, one gets was. gets a couple of Roombas that she kind of like straps to both feet. Yes, and that was, and, what's her name? Uh, Mary. Mary, because remember Mary had that yeah. like vacuum with the cord? The vacuum cleaner in the first <laughs> one, yeah. And then what did and Sarah then, get? Uh, and then the, Sarah, Jessica Parker's character, the youngest one, she got, it was it was creating bubbles. So I don't know oh, what yes. it was supposed to be unless Some it was like a Swiffer gun. wet jet or something. Yeah. <laughs> So the brooms were funny again, but the, again, the stars of the show, the broom show was the Roombas. Yeah. The Broombas. I, I mean, I got a lot of, uh, you know, supernatural vibes from the fact they just kept creating all these salt rings constantly. Yeah. But, uh, but even in salt. Supernatural, they, they, they came up with a multitude of ways that the demons got past those. I mean, like they would somehow like, you know, uh, get a familiar to come in and kind of like, you know, remove like a bit of the, you know, the, 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 you know, the salt so that they could break the chain or whatever, you know, it was like, and this one, it was just, I mean, they literally had the Sanderson's in a ring that they couldn't get out of inside that garage. And if it went for the Roombas, they would have been stuck there. Yeah, pretty much. They were like, oh, we're just going to watch them, make sure they're okay. But not keeping their eyes on them. I mean, I, I don't... <laughs> It, it's the common mistake, but I guess it had to happen for the film to happen. I don't know. Um, let's move on. <laughs> um, here's something for you. I want to hear your thoughts on. So there's a point in the movie where they kind of look in the window uh, of a uh, uh, of a uh, you know somebody's house. And whenever they, and the person is watching a scene of the two, you know, like the, the two older people, Penny Marshall and her husband, Gary, from the, when he was playing Lucifer, basically in the first film, uh, they're watching the actual scene from Hocus Pocus one oh, shit. in this movie. I missed so, that. I missed it too. And I, and, but I noticed it in the trivia and somebody brought it up and they had a good point whenever they brought it up. Uh, they were saying that this was kind of horseshit in the sense that, like, it makes no sense. Um, um, you know, it was actually Master Chaos I was listening to on his channel, but like on YouTube channel. But he was talking about how it's bullshit because you you've got that the Sandersons exist as fictional creatures in their own universe, and that that that's that's kind of narratively kind of dumb. Like I, I you know I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, are okay so. Are they watching it like they're watching a Disney? I know they're watching the actual scene, but I guess there's no context to it. It's supposed the, to be people just watching. Yeah, they're just literally watching that scene so they could put Gary and Penny Marshall's like characters back into the movie again. You know, it's like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's so confusing because if I had caught it, which I did not, I probably would have been like, oh, funny, they're watching the movie because I kind of mindlessly watch stuff. And I was mindlessly watching this movie. 
And I mindlessly watched this movie with intention. I had very good advice from what's going to be a new person I work with that was like, look, there you're hearing this, 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 and this about the film. But if you can just watch this film and enjoy it for what it is intended to be, you might have a good time. I'm glad I was given that advice. Um, again, I mindlessly watched this. So I personally would have saw that and been like, ha ha, I would have thought it was funny. But I get I get 100% what you're saying and agree with you that, yeah, I mean, well, well fuck, really? We just, why did we need to throw that in there? Member berries? Yeah, and well, and the only thing I can think of is that beat per per beat thing that we talked about earlier. It, it, you know, I don't know if, I mean, somebody could probably go back and look it up and see if, you know, where it falls as far as like the timeline of each movie. But I want to say it's probably at the same time in the movie where, you know, like the Sanderson's, you know, kind of have that little, uh, you know, give the kids a little bit of respite because, you know, they, they think that they've met the master, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, that's that, that same part, you know, time wise in the movie, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, it would. I could see Disney absolutely doing something like that. It them, thematically it lines up with kind of with the timeline, or I should say, of the storyline of this film, where yeah. they tried to have. It's a. It's the same story, but it's kind of a di- well different time era. You know, it's kind of the same stuff going on, really. But um, <clears throat> I, as far as the rest of the plot goes. I'm just going to throw out there that the the thing that ultimately hurt this movie the most for me, I mean, I can forgive the goofy jokes by the, the Sanderson sisters. I mean, they, they were kind of goofy in the first movie, although there was a little bit more of a bite to them in the first movie, even all the way through, because mm-hmm. you, you kind of got, that's the other thing about this movie. There's really no agency that you feel for the, the new coven, because every time that the witches come around, they're so easily disposed of you know, by the, the, the new coven that it's, they're kind of pointless. Whereas in the first film, every time that Max and, you know, like his girlfriend and, and his sister, you know, got the slightest advantage, the Sanderson's flipped it on them and they were right back to square one or worse. Yes. So it's like you, you were always, you know, like you were in their shoes, like, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do next? And like in this movie, it's like, I oh, would we'll just throw a salt ring at them. That, that, we know that, or even just throw a, a, a semi, a semi-circle of salt to reflect their, their, spells back at them yeah it's like really i it, mean no the salt circle has to be complete like there's no half moon you know <laughs> and i just feel like it took all the agency out of like you carrying a uh, carrying about uh, uh the main characters at all uh, along the way and then when we, it, but the worst thing for me is when you get to the end of it the way that it resolves because i'm just going to jump right to the end of the movie and this is the part that hurt the movie the most for me is that I want the Sandersons to be evil. The you know that's the whole point of them, and especially if you're going to contrast them versus the new coven, there needs to be you know like light and dark or whatever. And then like in this movie, it's like you get to the end of it, and once uh, you know Winifred casts the spell that they said at the beginning that you know she loses those things that are closest to her. Well, it's her sisters. That first of all softens Winifred. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it does soften it because you realize she does care about something. You know, in the whole first movie, she's berating her sisters and treating them like shit, you know. But in this one, like, that proves that she ultimately does care about them. Oh, yeah. And then whenever, you know, and then whenever the witches, like, give her the opportunity, like, you know, they're like, we will, like, send you back to your sisters or send, or we will, like, let's see, we will reunite you. Uh, It's like, you know, whenever they, she tricks, or whenever they trick her, 
and 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 instead of bringing her sisters back they're actually sending her to her sisters she kind of just forgives them and she's like you know uh you know and she kind of and if i remember right she even goes so far as to say take care of the book or whatever you know oh, yeah. uh, you know you're and it's just like it's so soft and it's and like and it's like her passing the torch in such a sweet way that it completely ruins her as like an evil character to me. Absolutely. Like, yeah. They'll never be <laughs> and I can't see them bringing them back as even more evil or I don't know. I I, I don't know cuz you did say that there's a potential for an upcoming film. They did set this up a lot though. This did not come without warning. Throughout the film, they really did drive home that you're nothing without your coven, you know? Yeah. So you need your sisters. Um, and she even said so herself, my magic is nothing without them, which also funny when they started getting their own magic. Yeah, and, and well, and the funny thing is, too, is that uh, how come the original witch still had magic that gave the book to Winifred? Um you know, I heard this theory on TikTok, and I can't dispute it. It's actually an interesting idea, and I'm just going to roll it off of you here and kind of see what you think about it. This guy on TikTok, was, uh, his theory is, is that the witch, the beginning of it, cast that ultimate spell herself, sacrificed the rest of her coven, and absorbed their powers or whatever, and she specifically gave the book to Winifred, knowing that Winifred would ultimately make the same choice at some point in the future, and possibly in the hopes that she could feed off of the Sanderson sisters herself, you know, once that you know they get their own power and kind of feed off their power, and now she's following this new coven, hoping that they do the same thing. It's like she is a, a like you know she's siphoning off of other witches to get more and more powerful herself. It's an interesting concept. Oh yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't think so much. I one hundred percent knew at some point that that first witch definitely cast that spell. Uh, she didn't give any explanation as to why to not do it. She's like, I just because I said so. So she was lonely. She had no coven, and I was like, oh, she did an ultimate and, sacrifice. And, and that guy pointed out another thing: when you tell somebody not to do something, what are they going to do? Exactly, they're, they're absolutely going to do, do that. It. You know, you know. I thought she was going to do it right away as as a as a young witch, but uh, I was proven wrong. Um, and but I, as for siphoning off the other witches, that's smart. I mean, I like that theory. Uh, it's it's nice and dark, darker than we got from anything in this film. The sugary yes. sweet cotton candy fluff of a film, and um. I mean that could go somewhere, but I don't. Disney's not smart enough to do that. <laughs> they they follow fan theories, just not good ones. Well, that's true. They they follow some of the worst, and then like the good ones get like laid to the side. Um, we won't even get started on Star Wars and how a lot of fan theories on you know like Kenobi and all that. You know the ones they went with were ridiculous. But anyways, um, but yeah, it's that ending really really. Uh, ruined the movie for me just because I feel like it took away every bit of the, well, or at least most of the evil of the Sandersons in one fell swoop. Yeah. So, because Mary and, you know, and the, and I, I'm just going to say Sarah Jessica Park because I keep forgetting I her, her name. Sarah. I thought her witch name is Sarah. Maybe they are. And maybe it is. But uh, let me go back and see. Yeah. It's uh, Sarah. Yeah. So she's just going to buy her own name. Yeah. Anyways. Um, 
those two are not really truly evil anyways. Like when you, even when you watch the first movie, like, yes, they, you know, but like Sarah, the youngest is more just like, you know, kind of, you know, ditzy and horny most of the movie. And then Mary is more just like, I'm hungry. You know, it's like, you know, but like anything that they truly do, that's evil Winifred initiates. So to take Winifred in this movie and make her softer ruins all of them in one fell swoop. Ugh. Am I wrong in that? I mean, I'm, 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 I am processing it right now. And no, you are not wrong. It's just something I don't want to see. <laughs> I mean, because they, there was even times where in the first movie, if I remember right, Mary and, and you know, like looks at Winifred and it's like, do we really have to do this? And like Winifred, like, yes, we, yeah. we've got to do this, you know? So it's like one of those things where, you know, like now that Winifred's like, oh, enjoy the book. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, you've got your own nice coven now. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Really? Yeah. Uh, look, at, I don't want to upset you, but I don't know why. Okay. I have no control over myself. I got a little, I got a little weepy. I didn't cry by any means, but I was like, <laughs> oh, this is kind of beautiful, you know? But it, you're, it's not what the Sanderson sisters were, you know? You no, know what I, I mean? It, it's it, it's a heartfelt moment. I'm not going to take that away yeah. from what you're what you were feeling, but at the same time, it is not what the you know the the original Sanderson sisters were. Yeah, um, I also want to bring up that fuck. I forgot what I was going to say because all of a sudden I started thinking about Billy's storyline. Let's discuss uh, well, that. Let's mention. Yeah. Let's just mention that real quick, and you might think of the other thing. I that's the one little thing that I enjoyed about this movie is that they like you waited the, the entire movie and you never got to hear like Doug Jones say anything in the original except for maybe a couple of lines after he cleared his throw the the you know the moss and all that stuff and like now like in this one he gets to speak through most of it and like and i actually enjoy this character so yeah did you notice at the beginning of that film okay so the beginning yes they they give the sanderson sisters a storyline but they also kind of give billy a storyline but women okay it is addressed that women really didn't have much of a say in anything and a man had to be you know fucking their again escort is the best term i can come up with basically they needed a man for everything but did you notice how these boys are being forced into a marriage as well? Yeah, like the one uh, whenever it's like mentioned that that no longer would he have to marry Winifred. He's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, he's like, she's ugly and she's, you know, she's a wretched woman. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was that. But then she goes, well, I wouldn't want to marry him anyways. I would have wanted to marry Billy. And Billy's like, why? And she's like, well, because we had that one kiss in the graveyard. Uh, by the way, it sounds like she kissed him with, without consent. And she also <laughs> led people to believe this wild-ass story about him without his consent. You know, he was taken advantage of big time. Well, and, and he might have been taken advantage of by Sarah because, like, you know, whenever she hooked up with him, it was, you know, like later on, and she had her feminine wiles working for her, and she was the one that lured people to the Sandersons to begin with. Yes. So. So, I mean, don't forget to miss that men can be victims too, guys, okay? <laughs> Maybe not in the way that women are victims, but, like, come on now. And guys just don't end up playing the victim, you know? I know Billy didn't even play a victim. He was just like, that's just not what happened at all. <laughs> but what I wanted to say in this film is something that I wish that they had addressed 
Because I really think it would have made sense and maybe they wouldn't have had to pile on so much fucking makeup on Sarah the Witch. But I don't know why they didn't take the fact that they've aged almost how many years? 30 years? Yeah. Why didn't they take the opportunity that this film is 27, 20, no, 29 years old. Oh, not 29 years old. Excuse me. 29 years in the making. So 29 years have passed. And I know that's not a lot in witch years, you know, because we're talking about centuries. But they really could have taken that and joked about how they aged and like, oh, we've aged. We need to eat some children to get our youth back. I wondered that too. It's like, instead of like trying to age them down, they could have went two routes with that. If they were in hell or wherever purgatory, wherever they were at, that could have aged them. But also in the first movie, like they, it was hinted at that they were super old, Yes. which I don't, I don't know how that timeline works out, honestly, because if you get back, that's probably a plot hole because like you see them as kids and then, but supposedly by the time that, you know, uh, Thackeray Banks or whatever his name was, uh, you know, tried to save his sister and then got turned into a cat. They supposedly were at the point where if they didn't, you know, take the souls of children, they would age to old crones. Yes. So therefore they had to have lived at least, you know, 70, 80 years past, you know, like, you know, their beauty stage. So exactly. Why not come up and say, well, we've not feasted on children in a while. That's why we've aged to this point. Yeah. I mean, even I remember there was a part of the film I could be, Again, <laughs> Mandela effect. But I could have sworn there was a scene in the one of the the original films, excuse me, that they were like, we're old. And they're like touching yeah. their faces and freaking out. And they were clearly a lot younger. Now, again, Mary aged perfectly fine. She She's doing okay. You know, yeah. she barely <laughs> aged. They, in fact, they would have had to use makeup to make her look older, if anything. Um, but... Sarah, she was going to get it the worst again because she was she was a lot younger in the first. She was in her 30s, you know? Um, and in the first movie, they really worked more of the angle that she was super attractive. So yes. if you remember right, she was the one that was, in my mind, she like showed like at least cleavage, you know, yes. kind of like lure people. Oh, so. this time she practically showed her vagina, by the way. What was <laughs> up with the broom riding and her whole fucking thighs showing? I was like, no, those are 60-year-old thighs. <laughs> I don't want to discriminate, but please, let's be conservative about this. Put those away. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, you know, she, it's more, way more noticeable on her because yeah. she was more out there in the original movie. So, you know, I think way. they should have addressed that. I think they should have joked about it. They, why not make it a joke? Because it is an actual thing, you know? Yeah. And then people yeah, could be like, it, it wow, is. you look good for your age. Not like, wow, these are not the standard and the sisters. And, that and they have the perfect excuse built into the lore already that they've established in the first movie. Yes. Yes. So anyway, that, that's all I wanted to say about that. But I mean, when we discussed the visuals, the acting, I mean, I don't know how you, we, we've kind of discussed it. I don't know if you're on the same page with me, with me but the witches were fine. They yeah. did their part that, you know, the Sandersons were, I, I don't, I didn't see any downgrade in, in what they were doing. Like they're other than the fact that they were made softer by the story that they were still like, they were similar to the original movie. I can't fault any of their stuff. Yeah. The new witches were flat 
to me. Like, they big were. Time. It was just they just knew everything. They were like the Ray Skywalkers of this film. Oh God, yeah, they, they were just, the, the Mary Sues. It's like okay, we know how to take care of the Sandersons. Big whoop, you yeah. Know, like everything was handed to them that they would possibly need for the whole film. It's like being at the beginning of a fantasy game where you're like going to the you know store and you're like okay, I'm gonna buy some of these uh leaves to get rid of a spell. I'm going to also oh let me take this uh candle that may have a black flame or not. I don't know. I'm a virgin. Let me light it. Let's see what happens. Um, and just, you know, I don't know. It was just, it set them up too much. There was no adventure. They didn't have to go find anything. They didn't have to seek out anything. They didn't even have to read the book because that's what Sam and what's her name did in the first movie is they, sometimes they went to the book to find things. That's how they found out about the ring of salt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, this is, I mean, well, well, we'll stick with acting. I'll get to it in the storytelling. But anyways, the, the acting part of it, uh, Gilbert and, uh, you know, Billy Butcherson were fine. Oh, they were I, fine, I yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the they, other, the, the, like, even the side actors, like, you know, just the extras, it was a Disney film. So they did their part as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, music, I mean, we've already discussed, uh, I was not a fan of it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like the, the, the orchestra music might've been fine. I wasn't really oh, yeah. listening for it. I'll be perfectly honest, but that the witches are back and one way or another just, uh, totally flopped for me. Like they yeah. were not like in any way, shape or form as good as the original. I didn't enjoy those at all. I will say the orchestra music was pretty much the same music you got from the original film. So it felt nostalgic and I got excited for it, but that was it. That's what you got from it. The one little thing that gave me the nostalgia feeling is like there was whenever they first, uh, there's a scene, and I can't remember where it's at in the movie now, but you heard Sarah Jessica Parker, come little children, you know, like, yes. I think it's right at the beginning of it, actually, and it's the other witch singing it originally, yes. the, you know, that gave me the nostalgia feels, and I'm like, okay, but we've already discussed the beginning of this movie is probably the best part of the movie, so yeah. if there is one. Um, Story-wise, now, I just want, this is what I was wanting to throw out just a second ago. I think it is so shoddy how they got like the black flame back. Like just, it's like Gilbert said, Oh, I came back in the, in the book and made another one. I'm like, what? You couldn't come up with any other reason why the Sanderson's could have come back besides that. They just magically, the book made another flame for them, you know, or I another thought, candle. I thought, I thought, I thought he said the book showed him how to make it, but regardless, well, or either way, yeah, regardless real... that that's kind of, cause to me, it, it was symbolized in the first movie that that was their one out. Like they had one, it was one opportunity. And if they yeah. fucked it up, they, you know, they were done and they did that and they were completely obliterated, you know, in the stone, they needed another way to bring them back in this movie. Like, you know, totally different outside all that. So that the way that they took them out in this movie could be different, you know, and kind of distinguish the two of them. Um, you know, what have made more sense is that they show it, at the beginning when he does his little show inside of the what what used to be the Salem Witch uh, Museum or whatever. Or not museum, mm -hmm. but it was the uh, Sanderson System, Systems Museum. But it would have made more sense if they took that melted candle and tried to reform it out of that. Because you could remelt that fat and form another candle. You Granted, you need another wick, and I'm sure you need more spells, but no thought was put into it. He did not have to seek anything. The book just talked to him, and then the book fell asleep. I know they wouldn't have went this route 
Um, but, you know, kind of going the craft, you know, uh, style of which, you know, movie or whatever, since they already had, uh, you know, the, the one girl out on the outs, Cassie's was on the outs with them anyways. What if one of the witches, uh, well, it could have been Becca, you know, got the book, you know, uh, she read the ultimate witch spell, uh, it, it sacrificed, you know, somebody close to her, whether it be Cassie or Izzy or both of them. And then in place of them, somehow like the Sanderson's were up back, like, you know, they could have reworked that spell to where it like, you know, like it brought them back as like a penance for her casting that or something. Like, I mean, there's other ways around all that. You're, you're dealing with magic. I mean, they oh, can yeah. do literally anything with it. Uh, you know what? Also, I was thinking at the end and it didn't happen this way, but it totally cuts into anything that was possible. Uh, granted, she wanted to maybe get rid of, rid of Winifred, but um, she could have undone the spell with those leaves. <laughs> That's true, too. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where I just felt like it was lazy having the candle come back. And it's even oh, lazier yeah. the fact that at the end of it, they showed that there's another candle, you know. So Wait, what? Did they? Yes. How you did didn't, I miss oh, that? Okay, so there is a scene for anybody who didn't know uh, as a stinger or in, after the end credits okay. completely end where the black cat jumps up into like a cupboard inside of the, the, the built, you know, Sanderson's house. And beside of them, it says BF number two. And then the cat looks at the screen and then the movie shuts off. Shut the fuck up. No, I'm serious. That's what it shows. Oh my God. So the black flame is coming back yet again. uh, And whatever they do in the future movie. Um, and I, it, it's just lazy to me. There's so many other ways they could bring back whoever, whenever, you know, using these magic spells. Because, uh, I mean, to me, if you're going to be casting dark magic, I mean, another thing you could work into the lore, expand it, is that maybe, you know, like maybe the reason the Sanderson's aged so much, and this would fix a plot hole, actually, for the movie, instead of it being that they, they lived for so long, it was like every time they cast, like, a really powerful spell, it's siphoned life off of them, and so, like, there's a there's a negative effect, you know, because if you listen to, you know, like, Wiccan and all that, it's what you put out comes back to you. Yeah. I mean, that's even in the craft. Threefold. So, yeah, threefold. So, it's like maybe the Sanderson's aged themselves by casting this dark magic. Uh, what if, you know, like, I mean, they, they could easily work something in there where when, you know, uh, Becca and this new coven starts casting out this book, they start, they bring about like evil things and then they're the ones responsible for putting it, putting it away. Yeah. I just, if that's going to be the case for the next film, if there is a next film, why is that fucking, there's a curtain in this room that is just moving and I'm like, I'm hoping there's a fan on, but I thought I turned it off. Anyways, whatever. It's a haunted studio, so we're moving on. Um, But if that's the case, it feels like it's going to be weak because, like you said, you tuned out the new coven. So did I, kind of. I thought it was cute in the sense that it's a Disney movie, you know, the the new quotation mark coven. But again, like I said, the Ray Skywalkers of this film, uh, there's going to be no adventure. Well, there's no adventure, and I mean, honestly, 
some, uh, you know, you know, Master Chaos on his, his review too pointed out something that I do have to agree with. In the first film, everybody, I mean, you know, yes, it's female empowerment in this one and all that, but the original had female empowerment. Yeah. Like Max's sister and his girlfriend or his wannabe, the girl, for, girl he wanted to be his girlfriend, whereas, you know, did as much to combat the Sanderson sisters as he did, but he was not made, him or the cat were made less you know, even though they were males, they contributed. Like, you know, they did their part. And like I and I don't even feel like Billy Butcherson did much in this movie because, you know, like he he's a little he's Johnny come lately toward the end of it. It's those girls, you know, the, the new coven does everything to really get rid of the witches. I mean, yeah. you know. So it's like you don't have to sacrifice your good male characters to make the females look better. I mean, that's the whole thing we've railed against forever about in these this woke new like way of doing things you can have both you know contributing and doing well and then you have a richer story for it because it seems more natural that way yeah it does and i mean i don't know i I mean, I know that's giving a lot to what could be just wrote off as a children's film. Yeah. But the original movie exists, and the original movie did it better. So it's hard not to compare and say, yes, you know, this should have been the way that it was. Yeah, and you know what? You can't say, well, you can't compare. Your People are going to compare the two, especially the people that you're going to get more people watching this film that watch the first film. You're not going to get a bunch of people that are just like, oh, a new film. I'm going to watch this. This is going to be amazing. No, they know about Hocus Pocus. They know it was a classic. Their kids know it as a classic. So everybody I know who's who was psyched for this movie to come out was was it was our age or, you know, or was a 90s kid like that. Everybody who was really, you know, thrilled to see this thing come out was, you know, somebody who grew up with the original movie. So they cannot ever get away from the fact that the first movie exists. And oh, there's absolutely. No, you know, it's, it's there and it's going to be compared against it. Yeah. And there was nothing in the first film that they had to be embarrassed about. So there was nothing that they had to change, you know? Um, no. And I mean, even if you want to retro- retroactively go back, I don't know if the I don't I don't think this was a thing. But even if like the the you know the bullies in that movie said something you know in some oh, way yeah. that Max was gay or whatever you know like which was a pejorative back in the time it was in its time like you know and and they were bullies so like you know they were bad guys so none of that was an issue. There was something a little bit disrespectful, and I know, like, I kind of take it personally, but I also can put my feeling aside, is um, they really emphasized about how he was from California, and they called him California, and it was rude. Uh, it was very disrespectful. Uh, that is, um, th- that's as bad as saying, you know, uh, certain phrases we're not allowed to say about certain people, you know, don't say that about us. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, as a quote-unquote hillbilly, I you know, I don't really, none of that stuff really bothers me because, like, you know, that's the one thing you can still make fun of no matter what. And, oh, absolutely. You know, so whatever, I don't really care. You're like, I don't feel bad for you. Suck it up. <laughs> uh, do you want to go in the trailer or do you have anything else you want to discuss about the movie? Because I, I don't want to glance over anything that you wanted to bring up about no, it. Uh, no, because we're going to review and I'm sure we'll give reasons for our review. So, okay. Um, 
Trivia, just real quick, uh, and this is one of our favorites. Uh, on Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast, uh, Doug Jones mentions the wig he wears as Billy Butcherson was the same that he wore in the first movie. So they, nice. they kept that prop. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, while searching for the mayor, Winifred peeks through the window of a couple watching a movie. The movie they're watching is Hocus Pocus, just like I said. <laughs> that, mm. <laughs> I wish I had caught that. I can't believe I missed that. That's like in like I don't know Harry Potter, you know, like in the you know the, the in the Deathly Hollows, if they like you know in in London, wherever they were hiding out from like you know the Hogwarts, if like Harry had walked walked past a uh, you know like some kind of storefront and there was like a Harry Potter like chocolate frog or something there, it's like Muggles shouldn't have it. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it you know the fiction is you know inside the reality, it doesn't work. Um, anyways. Initial filming took place in the cities of Providence, Lincoln, and Newport, Rhode Island between October 18, 2021 and January 26, 2022. After two test screenings showed that the ending of the film was the weakest part, reshoots took place in early June 2022 of the, the streets of Astoria, New York, and inside Kaufman Studios in Queens, New York. I left this in here, even though it's a lot of stuff that I didn't care about, just yeah. because that ending was after the first two screenings proved that the original ending was we- the, was bad. Oh, how bad was that original ending? Like shit. God Almighty! <laughs> I mean, Jesus! Uh, I, uh, I mean, I guess we got the best of what they could come up with, but I don't feel like what we got was that great. Just saying. Damn. Uh, since the movie wasn't filmed in Salem this time, local businesses were contacted and gave permission for their business logos to be used for the set. For instance, a sign for the Salem plant, which can be seen hanging above the door of a storefront. So they kind of had to make like pseudo Salem in their locations they were filming. I like that. Um, yeah. Salem's going to got to be hard to record in now, especially maybe they're trying to, I don't know. Cause I don't know where in New York. Well, actually, you did point out where, but like, it's got in Salem specifically. It's got to be hard to film this kind of film and keep it a secret as long as they kind of did. Yeah, I mean, well, people knew they were filming it, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why Salem was like something they couldn't do unless I mean the COVID restrictions somehow were worse in one versus the other. But yeah, you know. I don't know. I feel like Salem kind of lives for this kind of shit. So I don't know. I could see it turning into a shit show real easy out in Salem is all I'm saying. <laughs> Especially depending on what time of year they're filming it, etc. And they got by with the original movie because nobody knew anything about it. If they yeah. would have heard about this one, they would have. You're right. It would have been way worse than the original time they did film there. Yeah, And Salem does not have the ability to handle that kind of crowd control um, or, or whatnot. Not to the degree that maybe in New York it's going to be a little bit more like Hollywood. Or be able to completely shut down like an entire block of, you know. Oh, yeah. It's too small of a place. Like they can, you know, so. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to say, though, about uh, the businesses that were contacted. I wonder if they got any kind of, I don't know if it's just for credibility. Like, they, wow, we get to be in the Hocus Pocus film. Or if they got paid, any kind of monetization, you know. 
I'm sure they got something. I mean, they, you know, if they, if they did it, I mean, if nothing else, it might've just been like, you know, free advertising or something, you know, because when people watch the movie, you know, just like they maybe did with original people, like, I mean, it's a thing that, that film, you know, lovers do, they go to the locations that they see in the movie and they kind of frequent. And a lot of these places will come tourist attractions so they can get money that way, you know? <laughs> um, do you think that Walgreens paid to have their likeness in the film? Like with a sponsor? Probably. But I, I do have to say, you know, I, th- I think it's hilarious that the Sanderson's, uh, you know, father was a, basically an old timey pharmacist that, yeah. that cracked me up. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is funny, by the way, you, nobody could see and sorry for the no video right now. We need to update some of our studio equipment. So we will be going back to videos soon, but my t-shirt did not do this on purpose. I just wanted something cool because it's still hotter than the devil's dick out here in California. <laughs> but my shirt says- It's like, oh. it's 58 here, by the way. Oh, fuck Very you. Nice. Oh my God, let me see what it is outside <laughs> right now. Well, it is only 76 right now, but I'm wearing pants and flip-flops, okay? And a half shirt that says Salem Apothecary, so- that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's uh, not a it's not a hocus pocus shirt. It is just a random shirt I picked up at Ross, and it just happened to work with today. So, uh, Bette Midler is largely responsible for Hocus Pocus two becoming a reality. In an interview with the Entertainment Weekly, uh, she stated that when she started to realize how popular the original film had become, she was surprised and started making calls. After going online, she stated, "I'd never seen so much Hocus Pocus merch." She says she realized something was going on. As I watched it in progress, uh, progress, I'd call the studio once a year to ask how about it. I can't wow. believe, like, that. when I read this, I'm just like, how did she not know that that movie was popular? I, I remember when that movie came out, like, it was, you know, everybody was like, okay, this is going to be every year from now on. I'm going to watch this at Halloween. Like, how did, I mean, I guess she's removed from, once you do a movie, you kind of just move on from it. Yeah. But, you know. Surely to God, after like, you know, five years or something went by, people start coming up on the street and, you know, maybe that's how she realized, but they were like, oh my God, it's Winifred Sanderson, you know, it's like, okay, you know, like, and then, but I don't know, it just, it it strikes me as so weird because like, I feel like this movie was all, after its initial release was always kind of on people's radars. I mean, maybe for us, but I don't know, I'd have to be somewhat of a movie star to understand that you know maybe they have to maybe to be cool they have to pretend like oh it wasn't a big deal you know right yeah uh thor birch was asked to reprise her role as danny dennison but had to decline due to scheduling conflicts i was working on something else when they were filming otherwise i was definitely going to be there on set with the girls i can't wait to see what they do with it i know they're taking a completely different fresh approach so i'm excited birch said of the project and of course, she played Max's, you know, younger sister. Um, she I think was the so movie fucking annoying have... in that film. What's that? She was so annoying in that film. Yeah, she was. But I think it would have been interesting to have her in this. But they've got a if they're going to do three, which it looks like they're setting up, uh, they have the opportunity to bring her in for that and maybe expand her role or make her into something more in that movie. So yeah, do you think that she read the script and was like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> I feel like, I mean, if it had been me, I would have, but I'm just, you know, I, I may, maybe she was excited for it and just had something else, you know, more important, like, you know, to her going on and yeah. just didn't want to do it. 
During the scene where the mayor loses his place in line, a couple sitting on the bench are dressed as devil and old lady with hair rollers uh. to call back to the original Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall roles when they're playing the unsuspecting uh, married couple. But if that's the case and the scene that they're watching is the actual scene from Hocus Pocus where it's showing him, they doubled up on that. That's yeah. even worse. Because I, <laughs> I did see the couple sitting down and eating, and he was kind of like, are you for real, you know? But I was laughing because I, I knew who they were. But I totally missed the other scene, so. There are currently no plans to turn Hocus Pocus into a trilogy. <laughs> Bullshit. However, <laughs> if the conversation ever comes up, it seems that the girls would be perfectly willing. Uh, Kathy Najimi says, I guess never say never, but I feel grateful that we got to do it again. Sarah Jessica Parker says, of course, I'd be happy to have a conversation. It just depends on what Kathy and, and Bette want. And then Bette Midler says, I'd love to have a franchise, especially a character I love playing. If there was a third one, of course, I'd sign on, but I don't know how. Um, I'm assuming she meant that she didn't know how that they would come up with a third one and not that she wouldn't know how to sign on to the movie because that <laughs> she yeah. should be, you know, pretty used to that by now. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about a third one. If it brings the Sanderson's back, because like I said, they, they made them too soft. So, I mean, here, no, actually I just realized something, you know what they're going to do in the third one. What? They're going to have the new coven. They're going to have them, uh, you know, uh, come up against this that witch, the, the original witch. And the Sandersons are going to be the ones that have to come in there and help them. Ugh, I hope not. I, but, I mean, does that not make sense for what they would set up for that? It does. What I was hoping <laughs> is that the Sandersons, because they do need to be together to be as powerful. Or maybe, maybe uh, Winifred feels powerless without her sisters. I get it. You know, a coven is more powerful than just a single witch. And maybe uh, them being back together gets their powers back. They Someone does something stupid with the BF number two, the big fucker <laughs> number two, and <laughs> and they come back. But God, I don't know. I kind of just, I would like it to just focus on the Sanderson sisters. Why do we need a new coven? You know? We don't need a new coven. Maybe the Sanderson sisters like introduced a new a new era of witches, like white witches, which is a thing, which sucks because it, it, it makes them not as white witches are never going to be as powerful as, as the dark as the dark forces by any means. Well, and and maybe that's where I'm talking about in the yeah. movie. These this new coven wants to be white witches. Uh, they you know I don't they, want the new coven. they 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 try to take on the the, the big primeval witch the you know the main one they, they that doesn't work and so the sandersons have to you know give their black magic to you know like kind of help with it or something i don't know yeah i, I mean even I, the, I don't want that but i'm saying they even gave the book a storyline in the sense where the book has is able to give consent you know or and i didn't decide. like that either i didn't like the fact that the book had its own feelings and all that i don't know how you felt about that but i i, I felt like that was you know that was too soft on the book side too it's like the book has morals and it's not gonna let you access this one spell it's like what that book was letting them like you know get or it gave them the the spell to like siphon the souls of children that's way more evil than the yeah. ultimate witch. The like, ultimate, what, is, yeah. what the fuck is this? I, I was <laughs> like, does this book, like, care for Winifred itself? It's been with her so long. It's like, I just don't want you to do this because it's going to ruin you. And it's trying to prevent her from doing that. That's what I was trying to imagine was going on. The, the only thing that would make sense, and they could work this in the third movie, is what if that book is made out of the, you know, like, one of the 
original coven. Oh and, yeah. You know, and it and it knows that how everything came to be was that one spell that ruined the the one sister, and so it's trying. It, it's one of the it's one of the original coven that's trying to prevent them from or prevent her from getting her. I mean, I could see them working that in. Uh, Disney. If you need help, Death Holler is available. We have plenty of ideas. <laughs> we think we know what direction we can take this film, so contact us. Um, and we can discuss, you know, um, contracts and, you know, my, uh, how you could sponsor us, et cetera, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, just, you know, uh, get with our people and we'll get with your people and we'll take care of this. Yes. That's just how it goes. Deathhollerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> the cast got together for a virtual reunion special in October 2020, hosted by Elvira, Cassandra Peterson, to benefit the new restoration project. The one-time-only event was made available only to fans who bought tickets to watch that night. And then it had, the, you know, the three sisters, Doug Jones, and other stars from the movie, uh, along with special guests like Elvira, Jamie Lee Curtis, Meryl Streep, and John Stamos, uh, Glenn Close, Billy Crystal, and Adam Lambert. So wow. it would been interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, I told you, I saw the one in, I saw a 2020 Hocus Pocus special. It was fucking horrible. The best part about that show was Ray Parker doing Ghostbusters Live and shredding on the guitar on stage, you know, absolutely <laughs> killing it. And, but otherwise that, I love watching sometimes the Disney specials. Sometimes they're good, but this was God awful. <laughs> Uh, this is interesting. Sarah Jessica Parker actually found out while uh, researching her family history for a show, uh, Who Do You Think You Are, in 2004, that uh, her 10th great-grandmother, Esther Elwell, was arrested in Salem uh, for committing sundry acts of witchcraft and choking a neighbor to death, no less. I mean, so, I'm sure uh, she had her reasons. <laughs> Esther's case never went to court. She escaped with her life, and the accusation ended the Salem witch uh, Salem witch trials. Parker said it has changed everything about who I thought I was. Oh so she God. and she actually named one of her daughters Elwell as her middle name. Wow, she's a she's a descendant of an actual Salem witch. So according to this movie, she's got real powers. Isn't yeah. that what they established? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the spiders at the beginning of the movie are basically uh, gold and silk orb weavers, which means that even though they look big and scary, they can't actually, they're harmless to humans, they're not venomous, and their bites can't even pierce human skin. Although I can tell you as arachnophobe, those, I don't care if orb spiders can't, <laughs> they, if they get in my face, they're, I'm screaming like a little girl, like, <laughs> Ned like the, Flanders. Uh, the Reverend did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before a sequel was greenlit, it was announced a made-for-TV remake of the original film would be created for Freeform without the involvement of the original cast. The production was scrapped, however, when Hocus Pocus 2 began development, which is good because that would have probably been bad. Yeah, I imagine that would have been. <sighs> Freeform does okay, but, I mean. There's this, all, I mean, like, you take anything you would have had about the visuals and this and the acting. Yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a step below that by quite a bit the problem with freeform is that you you kind of know what you're getting into <laughs> so that's the thing is that's why i can enjoy some of the freeform stuff but i'm glad they didn't so 
It was reported in April 2021 that Hocus Pocus 2 was reportedly moving forward with a new director at the helm. Previously, it had been reported that Adam Shankman was on board to direct the anticipated sequel for Disney+, Plus, using the screenplay, screenplay by Jen D'Angelo. A new report from the uh, Disney Insider revealed that Shankman had been replaced by Ann Fletcher. Shankman had also been tapped to uh, by Disney to direct Disenchanted, which is their new sequel to Enchanted coming oh, out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shankman will stay on as executive producer. Uh, oddly enough, Fletcher was originally attached to Disenchanted before the project was put on hold. So f- basically the two of them swapped for the two yeah. movies. I don't know. Interesting. I, I didn't like Enchanted, so I don't think Disenchanted is going to make me like enjoy that movie much more. But there are fans of it out there. Yeah. I hope, And I hope that it works out for them that they get what they want out of it. In 2018, a sequel novel was written by A.W. Jantha, which followed the daughter of Max and Allison uh, named Poppy. Uh, that actually, I would have, that's what I was hoping more for in this movie was like, you know, like kids of the originals, you know, yeah, from the first movie. That would be cool. Although I, I I have heard complaints from people, and I agree with them to a certain extent. It kind of gets like, you know, up its own ass like Star Wars when you keep going to the same family all the time, you know, but at the same time, it was only the second movie, and it would have been fine, I think, if they would have went that route with it, but whatever. <laughs> Tony Hale, Kathy Najimy, and Sam Richardson previously appeared together in the HBO comedy Beep. And at 56 minutes and 46 seconds, Mary tells of Mel Sanderson's sister costume contestant, damn girl, we look foxy, but the closed captioning reads, darn girl, we look foxy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, rating time. What, what I'm going to go ahead. Cause I know I'm going to be the negative one and I will see where you're at on this. I give it a 2.7 out of five. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it lacked a lot of the charm and Halloween feel of the original. That's another thing I didn't like about this. I didn't feel like the Halloween element came through as much as the first movie. Um, it was there, but it wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it was, I mean, they, they made a whole thing in the first movie talking about how, you know, Halloween was about traditions and, you know, and like, I don't feel like this movie was basically the new coven saying, fuck you salt, you know, like that's all I got out of it. But I will admit that my lack of nostalgia for this movie versus the original is making a huge difference in the comparison. So I, I tried to take that in, I mean, in, in consideration, but I still end up saying this is a mediocre movie uh, with some decent visuals at times, and and that's where I'm at on it. I, I, I liked uh, the Sandersons. I liked Billy Butcher, but the rest of it, and the, or the rest of the cast didn't really impress me much. <laughs> you know what's funny is that our ratings are almost identical in terms of numbers. I'm at a 2.8 because I, again, I had someone talk to me before I watched it and said, hey, watch it. Or what it is, not what you're expecting it to be. And um, he goes, and then try not to take some things too personal in it. He goes, it's a Disney film. He's like, but it's not what people are making it out to be or as bad. And I did take that advice. And I was able to enjoy the film. Um, I, I again, had to mindlessly watch it, though. Um, which means you, you're going to miss kind of some details. Or you can kind of bypass them, which you were able to easily do. And I'm going to say this, is that sometimes you're not able to easily do that in other films. Sometimes it's so in your fucking face, and you're like, just shut up already. We get it, you know? That's true, yeah. So they didn't, like, just slap you in the face with a ton of, 
unnecessary, oh, girl power or, you know, this and that. Um, but it's not, it's hard to say that if I was watching Hocus Pocus, the original on TV, and this rolled on right after it, it's hard to say if I would sit and watch it still or if I would be like, okay, well, I got shit to do. Uh, I wouldn't do it. I, what I would do is I would watch Hocus Pocus and I would follow it up with a, a double bill of, you know, of Ernest Scared Stupid because the <laughs> yeah. two films to me are both in the same wheelhouse of what they, they try to do. I mean, it's, it's even the same, it, the same plot basically when you get down to it. I mean, really, because it's like the family, uh, you know, like loses or, you know, like the, the elderly black woman lost all of her family. So like, she's, you know, you know, to the original troll and so, you know, so like she's, uh, you know, she's trying to, uh, she's or at least or way back then they did and she's trying to like save them just like you know thackeray bink is trying to save his sister's soul or whatever so yeah so it's um i feel like those two movies would be better than watching this compared to the original movie that's yeah. just me though i have a more positive outlook than you which is funny because we're our ratings only <laughs> off by a lot so i'm surprised you gave it such a decent rating I, like i said i tried to overlook and, and that's me giving the benefit of, of doubts and nostalgia for the first movie yeah well and me being the more i like i said i pretty i enjoyed it pretty well a 2.8 and a 2.7 that's not a huge difference in numerical rating you know and, and I'm, I'm going to say I really struggled with this because, I mean, when we get to the spoiler list, when we do that for the Munsters, I think that's a way worse movie in a lot of ways, technically, and, and all around about. But I actually, I mean, I wasn't as bored watching that as I was with this one. Oh, wow. I take, I, it's, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted because I, I thought it was a, it was just an awful movie. Um, spoiler for that spoiler cast, but I mean, I, I really struggled. I'm like, well, how do I, it's like when I think back at this one, I think the disappointment was higher on this one. Cause I didn't expect anything out of the monsters. We both knew oh, that yeah. trailer for that movie. It was going to be hot shit, you know, like just, just terrible. And like this one, I was like, it's hocus pocus. I mean, like I, I really, I mean, it's, I watch it every year, the original movie. So, you know, this had, this had big shoes to fill, and like I think that's the reason it fell so much for me. Yeah, it, it really did have big shoes to fill. I will say that. Um, I really do think, though, that a majority of people can enjoy this film, though. Um, and especially if you're looking for something a little bit more family-friendly, Disney, it can absolutely be that. Um, Reverend and I say it a lot that we're pretty jaded, we have a really dark sense of humor. Uh, so <laughs> I would true. have, I would, I would be the one to say that you have to give us some credit for as good as the rating is for who we are <laughs> as people and what this podcast really is. So uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, these are one of the first things we got when we were younger that was like, wow, this is fucking awesome. That was a Disney film. Cause you weren't going to get good horror from Disney by any means, you know? No, the one movie that they had was that that was like had horror elements, which was the Black Cauldron. They buried, you know, like beneath, you know, every every vault that they had. And like, I only found out about it years later. And, so, and somebody told me, I was like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" There. And then when I looked it up, I was like, "That is, I mean, some of the visuals from that are so friggin' cool." But when they went so dark for that with like the reanimated corpses and all that stuff, they were just like, "Yeah, we're not gonna touch that stuff again." And it was like this and. uh and um, Nightmare Before Christmas that they kind of even got back to that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, 
absolutely. Oh God, Nightmare for Christmas. That is a Disney film, but you know, again, it's it's pretty fr- yeah. it's pretty family friendly. You know, it's more uh, in ways. I think it's more family friendly than this than the original Hocus Pocus because you don't actually see anybody dying. I mean, yes, kids are getting things that are deadly as their gifts toward the end of the movie, but I mean, they they all get corrected before they actually do anything you know severe to the families. Yeah. So, do you have anything else to say before we uh, close the book on this one? As it were? <laughs> close close book, you mean? Uh, yeah. No, I I think I think we've touched on everything pretty well. A lot more than we said we were going to. This is an right. hour and a half long fucking mini episode. <laughs> a mini episode, yeah. That's wink, how we roll. Wink. <laughs> well, with that, folks, peace be with you and with your spirit. Great show. Cover your ears. Pop up.